0: So this morning, as you guys know, we're kind of in a in a weird transition right now from from books. Uh, we're gonna start the book of Revelation next Sunday. Uh, so um, last Sunday and then and this morning as well, we're gonna we're we're, we're doing topicals. And, and the Lord has really impressed my heart for for you know a, a while back to, to do a, a study on, on the Holy Spirit. And so we're gonna do a, a a short study this morning on the on the Holy Spirit, you know, and on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So again, we're going to spend most of our time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I'm going to just bounce around and kind of give a, a, a long introduction. And so uh, we're going to be studying uh, pneumatology, you know, and, and, and as well as the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And so pneumatology, in, in, in short words, uh, pneumatology refers to the study of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And, and it comes from, from two Greek words, which mean uh, wind, air, or spirit, which is the pneuma. You know, and theology, and, and, uh, Which is the study of And so pneumatology The, the study of the, of the third person of the Trinity The Holy Spirit And so with that you know, the question comes up Who is the Holy Spirit you know, What does the Bible teach about the Holy Spirit How can a person receive the Holy Spirit And then what about the gifts of the Holy Spirit In the life of the believer And so who is the Holy Spirit um, Some teach that That He's just an impersonal mystical force Or, or, or energy that guides us in our Christian walk uh, to the Jehovah's Witness, if you ask the Jehovah's Witness on a Saturday morning when they knock on your door, uh, you ask them who's the, who's the Holy Spirit, they're going to tell you that He's the active force of God, not a not a person, not not God, not the third person of the of the Trinity. Um, to the Mormon, to the Mormon, He is a comforting companion that is given to a person after they are baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. By an official LDS Melchizedek priesthood member. Right, it's, a long, it's a long description. After the priesthood has laid their hands on the person. And confirms their membership of the church. The individual receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. As long as he or she uh, keeps the LDS commandments and ordinances. I'm not making this up. This is taken directly from the from LDS.org. So to the to the Latter-day Saints to the Mormon. That's who the Holy Spirit is. But for us, you know, as Calvary Chapel, as Bible-believing Christians... Uh, um, who do we believe that the Holy Spirit is, that the Holy Spirit is, and what does the Bible teach about the Holy Spirit? Most importantly, because I can believe whatever crazy thing I want to believe about the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't matter. What matters is what does what does the Bible say about who the Holy Spirit is, and because the Bible is God's word, and so God is, has revealed to us, you know, through His word. And so, what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit concerning the Holy Spirit, concerning who the Holy Spirit is? Well, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person in the Trinity. Uh, the Bible also teaches us that the Holy Spirit is a divine person, uh, a being with a mind, with emotions, and, and, and with a will. He is called God there in Acts 5, 3-4. As, as, as Peter is uh, addressing uh, Ananias and Sapphira, if you guys remember the story, it goes like this. Uh, Acts 5, 3-4 says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained was it not your own and after it was sold was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? you have not lied to men but to God and so we see that that in, in the book of Acts chapter 5 Peter himself is referring to, to the Holy Spirit as God and we see that that the Holy Spirit uh, uh, he possesses attributes you know, which which only God possesses you know these attributes can be described also as, as characteristics or, or traits but they're, they're unique to God. And so we see that the Holy Spirit possesses attributes which only God possesses. Uh, for example, uh, omniscience. And then in 1 Corinthians 2.10, as Paul is writing to, to the church at Corinth, he says, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. So, so what, what Paul is doing is that he's attributing the omniscience of God to the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say there in um, First Corinthians six nineteen, he, he about about the Holy Spirit's omnipresence. He says, "Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own?" And so what Paul is saying is, "Look, the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. The Holy Spirit is indwelling you. The Holy Spirit is indwelling me. The Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit is indwelling the believers in China. The Holy Spirit is indwelling the, the believers in Africa, and all over the world at the same time, you know, and in the, the same amount, which is to the full, you know. And, and He can only do that if He's omnipresent." And we know that the Bible teaches that God is the only one who is omnipresent. And therefore, by default, you know, well, the Holy Spirit is God. Now, concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know the question comes up, well, who raised Christ from the dead? Right? Well, the Bible teaches that the Father raised Christ from the dead. There in Romans 6.4, the Bible says, therefore, we, we were buried with Him, meaning with Jesus, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, That ju- that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so... We should also walk in the newness of life, but the whole, but the Bible also teaches that that Jesus raised Himself from the dead. There in John 2, 19, 22, as, as Jesus is addressing the the Pharisees and he tells them he says hey, he says destroy this temple and in and in three days I will I will build it up. Let me read it to you. It Says Jesus answered and said to them destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the, then the Jews said it has taken forty six years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of Of his body, therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. And the Bible also teaches that that the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead. Then, First Peter three eighteen, Peter writes, and he says, "For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but but made alive by the Spirit." And so the Bible teaches that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible teaches that Jesus Himself raised Himself from the dead, and the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit raised God from the dead. So which one is it? Well, it's D, all of the above. You know, we see that that, that God in his tri raised Jesus from the dead. And so we see that the Bible uh, attributes equal deity to the Holy Spirit as it does to God the Father or God the Son, Jesus Christ. And so, according to the Bible. Uh, the Holy Spirit possesses and exhibits the attribute of a person. He's not just some impersonal force. He's just not some you know mystic energy. He's not this uh, you know a far off uh, being. You know, but he's an actual person. The Bible attributes you know specific attributes of of of, of, of a personality to the Holy Spirit. You know, um, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is to obey, is to be obeyed in Acts ten nineteen and twenty and two twenty one. The Bible tells us that that he could be lied to in Acts five three. I'm, I'm gonna go through these quick so you don't have to turn there. Uh, The Bible tells us that he can be resisted in Acts 7.51, that he can be grieved in Ephesians 4.30, that he can be blasphemed in Matthew 12.31, that he can be insulted in Hebrews 10.29. And so we see again that that, that the Bible attributes these these, these personal attributes to the Holy Spirit, you know, and uh, we see that Jesus actually claims equal deity with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and this is important. You might think, oh man, well, I've heard this a lot, you know, I've been I've been in the in the Lord for a long time, you know, I've heard numerous Bible studies on the Holy Spirit. You know, but but it's important to to, to our walks as Christians, you know, because if any area of, of your theology, of if any area of, of your Christian doctrine is skewed, it's gonna skew your whole walk. Right? And so it's important to have this this uh, this proper understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. The Bible tells us. Again, there in John fourteen fifteen through 17, that, that Jesus attributes equal deity, you know, to the Holy Spirit. And he says this in John fourteen fifteen. he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper. And that word helper right there is uh, paracletos. He says, another helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you, and He will be in you. And so Jesus says, "Hey, look, I'm gonna pray to the Father, and He's gonna send you another helper." Now, when He says another helper, it's referring to another of the same exact kind. Now, Jesus had been with the disciples for three years, and for three years, if they were hungry, man, He would uh, He would send Peter to go fish and, and 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 get and get food. You know, if they needed money, He sent Peter to go to go fish, and there'd be a coin in the in, in the fish's mouth. You know, if they were scared, if they were in trouble, that they were you know uh, lost at the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm. Jesus was at everything. You know, He was. He was their helper for those three years. It was like he was kind of like, like uh, just babying these guys for three years. Whatever they needed. I mean, keep in mind you know, that they left homes, they left possessions, they left family members, they left wives, they left kids to follow Jesus. And so Jesus was their provider, Jesus was their helper, Jesus was their protector. He was their everything for these three years. And then he tells them there in the book of John, he says, look, it's to your benefit that I leave. Because if I, if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit can not come. And if I go, I'm going to send you another helper of the same exact kind as myself. And so we see that, that in that Jesus is attributing equal deity to, to the Holy Spirit. And we see that the Holy Spirit, um, because the Holy Spirit is God, then He's also eternal. You know, and He always existed. He didn't have a beginning. He didn't have an end. He just always existed as, as well as God the Father, and God the Son. He always existed. In the Old Testament, before Jesus was crucified and had ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit operated in the lives of believers in a different way. You know, some people might ask, Well, was, is, was the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Did He come until just after uh, uh, um, after the, the, the resurrection there at Pentecost, Acts 1 8? No, we see that throughout the whole Bible. We see that, that the Holy Spirit was active in the lives of believers, even in the Old Testament. I mean, we see the Holy Spirit in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1 1 through 2. It says, In the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth And the earth was without form and void And darkness was on the face of the deep And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters We see that the Holy Spirit played an active role In the, in the creation of the earth The universe and everything in it We see that he also played an active role In the lives of, of individuals of the Old Testament You know as he would empower them for a time The Bible tells that, that he was in certain individuals There in the Old Testament And we see that he would use some individuals in a way that that, that was more evident to see. You know, for example, uh, Pharaoh there in the book of Genesis. Pharaoh recognized that that the Spirit was in Joseph there in Genesis forty one thirty eight. In Numbers 27, 18, we see that the Spirit was in Joshua. He uses that word, in Joshua, which is why God chose him. We see in Daniel 4a, as we're studying Wednesday nights, that the the Holy Spirit was, was in Daniel... And then we see the Holy Spirit come upon certain individuals right in the Old Testament for moments at a time, you know, or to fulfill a certain task that was at hand. We see there in Judges 13, 25, that Samson, you know, that the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, Samson and then later left them. We see that the Holy Spirit there in 1 Samuel 10:10 came upon Saul. You guys remember what, when, when Saul was anointed king, and you know, he was kind of timid. He began; he had these humble beginnings. You know, he was timid. He was kind of fearful. He didn't feel worthy of being king. He didn't feel like he was the right guy for the job. You know, and, but but nonetheless, you know, they they, they, they they nominated him as king, and we see that the Holy Spirit came upon him, and that and that Saul the king started prophesying, and and then there was a saying all in Israel and they would say, "Hey, is Saul among the prophets? Was Saul a prophet now or what?" Because all of a sudden he began to to prophesy along with the prophets, and so the Holy Spirit came upon Saul for a moment. As he prophesied. But then we see that the Holy Spirit uh, filled individuals, individuals also in the Old Testament. We have an instance of, of one individual, actually a construction worker by the name of Baziel there in Exodus 31.3. And we see that the, that the Holy Spirit in Exodus 31.3 uh, filled Baziel for the building of the tabernacle. Now, the Old Testament uh, believers didn't have the same spiritual privileges as we do. You know, we don't. Have, they didn't have the same indwelling of the Holy Spirit as, as, as we do. For them, the Holy Spirit was just kind of was a, a momentary thing. He would come upon them for for moments at a time to empower them for a certain task. You know, he would he would uh, speak to them. You know, for, for, for certain times. he would come. Uh, he would come to, to 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 Moses as he was there in the wilderness for 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 moments at a time, right? But for us, the Bible teaches us that, that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know, as soon as we become, we become believers, now the Spirit of God indwells each and every one of us. Now, that's amazing because that's something that the, that the Old Testament writers did not have. I'm reminded right now of uh, Matthew 11 and 11. As, as Jesus is talking to His disciples. You know, and everyone, everyone's asking about John the Baptist, who He is, you know, what, what, he's, what He's come to do. And then Jesus says this about John the Baptist. He says, among those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. You know, we know that, that John the Baptist is, is the last prophet of the Old Testament. And he he lived in a this kind of weird time because he lived in the in the time you know of of him who he prophesied about you know all the Old Testament writers they looked forward to the promise they looked forward to the coming of the Messiah but John the Baptist you know he was the Old Testament prophet who lived kind of you know in a merge of time you know with the New Testament because he got to see his prophecies fulfilled right his his whole his whole mission on earth was to was to foretell the coming Messiah the coming the coming one and then he was living at the same time as him. And so Jesus says this about John the Baptist in Matthew eleven eleven. Among those born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist. Meaning, man, he's greater than Moses. He's greater than Elijah. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than than, than Hosea. He's greater than, than than Joshua. He's greater than Daniel. He's greater than, than than anybody ever born before before his time. He's the greatest man who ever lived. Why? Because he had that, that privilege of of of, of uh, a, fore, a foretelling of the of the Messiah. Right. He was a forerunner. He was a herald of heralding the the Messiah's, the, the Messiah's coming. And then he says this, he says, but I tell you this, that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. That's amazing, because that's all of us. That's any one of us. You know, to think that that we're greater than the greatest prophet who ever lived. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Man, that brings me comfort. That brings me comfort because I think, man, who am I? You know, I'm just, you know, this believer here, you know, haven't really done anything significant, you know, my name isn't up there in lights or in magazines or, you know, up with the, with the other guys, right? I mean, nobody knows, nobody knows who, who I am, this, that, the other, but yet Jesus said, hey man, you're greater than the greatest prophet who ever lived and when I think about that, I'm like, man, that's enough. <laughs> who cares if I never have my name in lights or, or never become known or whatever, right? Jesus himself said, you know, you're greater than the greatest prophet who ever lived and you guys should take comfort in that as well. We see that, that, um, Again, that the Holy Spirit, you know, that the Old Testament believers didn't have the this, this same privilege. Uh, John, and John seven thirty seven. Jesus, as He's there at the, at, the, at the last day of the great feast, the Feast of Tabernacle. He says this, of, this is what that says. It says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then He says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John adds his, his own little commentary. And he says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then Jesus later on John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He has come... He will convict the the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged." And then he goes on to say there in John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. And so we see that this promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a promise that, that, that is, that is, that is a, a unique to the New Testament believer, you know, to those who came to Christ on this side of the cross. That's us. And so for us as New Testament believers, after, after the death and burial resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know, we're living in this promise made to the disciples while Jesus was with them. We get to live this out. I think that's amazing. You know, there he is. You know, the guys are, are, are around the campfire. Jesus is telling all these things to so them. It's a mystery. You know, they didn't really get it till, till you know, a, a few months later, some, a few years later after the day of Pentecost and, then, and, and so on. You know, the, the writer of the book of John, he's, he's writing this already in his old age. And he's looking back He's like, man, that's what he meant when he said that. But for us, we're living in these promises that Jesus made to the disciples. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling not only with us, but in us as well. And we we can have the Holy Spirit come upon us, you know, as He empowers us for the work of the ministry. You know, otherwise known as the the, the baptism with the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you want to call it. The coming upon, right? The refreshing, the renewing. And so along with this permanent indwelling, the Holy Spirit has given us spiritual gifts, which is what I want to focus on uh, the, the, the rest of our time. Along with this indwelling, along with this empowering, along with this, with this coming upon, along with, with this comfort, along with this with, 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 uh, his companionship to us, along with this, with all these things. You know, he has given us gifts for the, for the New Testament believer, for the believer in Jesus Christ. We see that he has given us uh, spiritual gifts, you know, to all who have been spiritually born again by faith in Jesus Christ. And so with that, you can turn to First Corinthians chapter 12. As we, as we go through, through, through this chapter, uh, most of this chapter, you know, and, and, it's, and it's Paul writing to, to the church at Corinth who was, uh, man, super carnal, super worldly. But yeah, it was, a, it was the church that had the most gifts. It was the, the church that operated in, 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 in most of its gifting. I mean, most of the gifts and, and most of the, uh, the explanations of the, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit came from the church of Corinth. And I think, man, that's crazy, you know, because God can use anybody. Here's these guys that they're, you know, they're, there's instances of, of a stepson, you know, uh, sleeping with a stepmom, all, all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the church. You know, as we read through this, whole, through, through this book of, uh, of, of Corinthians and Second Corinthians, we think, man, it seems like he's writing to non-believers. It seems like he's writing to, you know, uh, people who don't know God. But yet this stuff that's going on in the church, right? And he's writing to correct them. But among all things, you know, that he writes to correct them about, he uh, writes to correct them about the spiritual gifts. And so it says this in verse 1. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however, you were led. Therefore, I made known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And verse 4 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are di- diversities of, of activities, but but it is the same God who works in all. And we'll stop right there. And so he says, concerning spiritual gifts. So he starts, he starts off the chapter by, 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 by introducing the spiritual gifts. He says, alright, I want to talk to you now about the spiritual gifts, right? Because the spiritual gifts were, were flourishing there at Corinth. Even though they were using them improperly. Even though they were using them you know, in, a, in a messed up way. The gifts were, were flourishing. And so he says, concerning spiritual gifts. Now, when you get there to, to, to that first verse. You know, he says, concerning spiritual gifts. That, that word gifts... If it's uh, uh, italicized in your Bible, it's because it was added later on by the, by, by the translators. Um, it, it was a word that, that was added on later by the translators to kind of help you get the, a better understanding of the passage. But, but it's justified, you know, giving the, the context of the whole chapter. So it, it's, it fits well. But just know that that word gifts is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so he says, I do not want you to be ignorant. He says, concerning spiritual gifts, concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit... I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to not know about, about this, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, interesting that, that, that Paul and his writings, three times in his writings, Paul says, I don't want, I don't want you to be ignorant about this specific thing. One, uh, he says it there in Romans 11, 25, you know, concerning God's plan uh, for the nation of Israel. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning God's plan concerning the nation of Israel. And he says it again There in First Thessalonians chapter 4 He says uh, I want you to be ignorant Concerning you know Those who have slept in Christ Those who have passed away And he goes on to talk about The rapture of the church You know And the coming, the coming again of, of Christ And then he says it For a third time here In First Corinthians chapter 12 Concerning the spiritual gifts This passage Now interesting that, that These are some of the areas In which the church as a whole You know Not just you know Church but The church as a whole Is, is mainly ignorant Or mainly uninformed Or mainly confused about Right, I mean, we live in a time where where uh, where where just this postmodernism is running rampant through the church, uh, and along with it, you know, there's this there's this popular move, uh, there's this popular theology called replacement theology, where where people are teaching that the church has replaced the the, the has now taken the position of Israel in the Bible, you know, and, and that the church as a whole has now you know now all all the promises that belong to Israel as a nation now belong to the church now and so on and so forth. That's a heresy. It's a lie, you know. Paul actually there in Romans 11, I think that first verse he says, he says, hey, uh, uh, do you think God is done with Israel? He says, certainly not. He says, for me, myself, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jew, uh, you know, from the tribe of Benjamin. He goes on to state his case. And so, interesting, you know, that, that one of the things that he said, I don't want you to be ignorant about, is, one, is something that the church as a whole, like, for, for the most part, is super ignorant about. Right? And we see this replacement theology being taught uh, in a lot of pulpits in America and throughout the world. It's from the enemy, actually. It's, 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 it's satanic, it's demonic. And so, and we see that he begins to, to kind of describe these gifts. You know, and he says that, that there's diversity of gifts. He says, but it's the same Spirit giving them. And then he says, there's differences in ministries, but it's the same Lord who is establishing these ministries. And then he says, there's diversities in the activities of these ministries, but it's the same God who is working in those activities. And so, for us, for, for, for the body of Christ, and as a body of Christ, we see that god has given us all spiritual gifts every single one of us it doesn't matter if you're an hour old in the lord you just you know believe in jesus christ 20 minutes ago five minutes ago an hour ago 39 years ago five years ago it doesn't matter the moment you place your faith in jesus christ the moment you become a believer the moment you're born again and that's something that something happened in here god has given you spiritual gifts and so for each and every one of us here in this room you know if we've given our lives to the lord god has given you spiritual gifts For sure one, but it's almost always more than one. I've I've actually never met anybody with only one gift. You know, God, when he gives us gifts, he usually gives us, you know, like a a, a dominating gift. And then usually you have like gifts that kind of surround that gift and kind of, you know, work along with that gift. Um, So I've never met anybody with just one gift, but for sure you have at least one gift. Now. As Paul's writing to them, again, he's telling them, you know, there's diversities in gifts, there's uh, diversities in activities, there's uh, diversities in ministries, there's differences in, in the way the uh, the gifts may operate in you. And so some may even have the same gifts. I mean, even in, even in this room, you know, some of us may even have, even have the same spiritual gifts, but that doesn't mean that, that we're going to operate in the same way. All right? I mean, for example, you uh, guys the example of evangelism. I you know if any of you guys spend any time with me, we we'll won't go evangelizing. You know, it's no it's no secret that, that the Lord has, has gifted me with the gift of evangelism. I know that's from the Lord because I could testify that does not come from me. I'm not, you right. my sister's here. She knows me. I'm not the type of person. I was never the type of person to just go up to somebody, approach them, and begin to talk about Jesus for however long, right? I mean, I was terrified to even go through the drive-thru because I wouldn't want to talk to the speaker box. It would, it would just get, it was frightening for me. It was terrible. I couldn't do it. I started sweating. Man, I'm like, all right, I just, I just won't eat today, Right? And so, we, I, and so I know that this gift of, of evangelism, I mean, this gift of teaching comes from the Lord. I, I cannot take any credit for it. And I believe that this is why the Lord, not, I don't, don't want to say that this is why God gave it to me, but I see that, I see kind of his sovereignty in giving it to me because I can't take any credit for it. People say, oh man, God, you're a good evangelizer, this, that. And in me, it's like, dude, I, 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 that keeps me from getting puffed up because I know God is from you, you. know. And, and I want to just stay humble, and I want to just continue recognizing that this comes from you and it's not from me, Right. And so I recognize that God has given me the gift of evangelism. Uh, there's one sister that I know, you know, that, that, that has a, a, for sure the gift of evangelism as well. But as I, as I see her operating in it, you know, she operates in it uh, very differently. You know, um, I'll mention her name because you guys know her, her name is Hilda. You know, so we've been to different mission trips together, you know, been in Mexico, been, you know, even just a, a lot of evangelism, a lot of events. And, and I see that the Lord has gifted her with the gift of evangelism, but it operates differently in her life than it does in my life. Right for me, uh, I could just kind of go up to somebody, just begin speaking to them, you know, as as a as the Lord leads. Sometimes even to to crowds of people at a time. And well, when I see when I see Hilda operating this gift, you know, for her it's more of a one-on-one type of just kind of casual. It just it just happens, right? I mean, I remember we're on our we're on our way to Central Mexico to to Guadalajara, and we're on the plane, and and, and she's you know I'm sitting over here, there a couple rows ahead, and she's sitting next to some lady, you know, and. Uh, I hear him just talk about, you know, I don't know, just things that ladies talk about. So we're, we're getting off the plane. As we're getting off the plane, you know, Hilda's walking and she's like, she's like, hey, this lady sitting next to me, she just give her life to the Lord. We're talking this whole way, the whole way over here about, about Jesus and she gave her life to the Lord. And I'm thinking, oh man, okay, you know, and just things like that, you know, we're just so subtle. Whereas to me, I, I'm more of a, All right, the approach, boom, 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 right? And so we see that even though it's the same gift, it's a different operation. You know, it's a diversity in operations. Right? So again, even though So if you have the same gift as someone else and, and you see them, you see the Lord using them in a certain way Don't get discouraged if God isn't using you in the same way right? Because we see that, that God uses us in our differences Right. He, he uses our differences He uses our, our unique personalities Our unique abilities Our, our unique uh, uh, backgrounds He uses all that you know, and, and, and allows you to operate in your gift With all that in mind right? So just because someone else has the same gift as you Again, don't think that they're going to be used the same way as him. You know, so don't use that as a, as a, as a way of comparison. And I, I love that about the Lord because He's not a cookie-cutter God, right? He's not going to, all right, boom, 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 there you go, a couple of evangelism over here, a couple of teachers over here, a couple uh, um, helps over here, let me throw some you know, prophets over here, some word of exhortations over here. No, God is not a cookie-cutter God, a cookie cutter God you know, but He's going to use all your experiences, all your past, you know, your own personality, uh, your own thoughts, your own hearts, your own burdens. He's going to use that alongside with your gifts that He's gifted you with so it goes on to say then in verse 7, it says, And do not become idolaters, idolaters, oh, sorry, wrong chapter. there. Then in verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another, the, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit, uh, to another, workings of miracle.'" To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Of tongues. But one, for one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Not as we will, but, but as he wills. And so we see that there's different kinds of gifts, you know, uh, but in this chapter, but not all are listed. There's still more gifts here that, that are not listed. Uh, there's a total of 21 gifts of the Holy Spirit or 22 if, if you count love. Um, so 21 or 22 gifts of the Holy Spirit, not just tongues, not just, you know, prophecy, not just, you know, the ones, the main ones that you hear about. You know, so we, we see that that the, 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 the there's a, a diversity in these gifts and we see that the Holy Spirit distributes them to us freely as he wills, not as we will. I mean, I remember for a long time I would pray, Lord, I wanted the gift of tongues. It sounds so cool. You know, when I would hear people speak in tongues, I'm like, Man, I want to be able to do that. You know, and I wonder, I want to understand what they're saying. You know, I hear someone speaking tongues, and what are they saying? You know, I thought it was just like gibberish or whatever. I'm like, man, and I would pray for that for that gift, and I would want that gift so bad, and the Lord never gave it to me. Now I don't. Now it doesn't really matter to me anymore. You know, it's not a thing that that I, that I think about. You know, but I remember for 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 a while, you know, I, I would want this gift, kind of just for myself, because you know, I thought it was really cool. So, but we see that that, that tongues is not the only gift, right? These gifts that, that, that we see almost always displayed on a platform are, are not the only gifts. And, but we see that the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts to us freely as He wills. Right? And so we see that God gives these gifts to us as He sees fit in His eternal sovereignty. Now, it's wrong to think that, that you can teach someone how to exercise a specific gift. You know, we're not, we're not the givers. God is a giver. Right? And I say this because I was in a ministry when I first came to the Lord. You know, where you know, I have these people come out. You know, and and do like a school of tongues type of thing, and they would teach you how to how to speak in tongues. I remember one lady, little feisty old lady, who would come out, and you know, she just ah, just started yelling, just started yelling, and then she even came in, she like she like, oh, do it louder. I'm like, oh man, lady, it hurts. You know, and she would just kind of beat you on the on the on the chest and, and say, no, it's almost there, it's almost there, right? And we see that's wrong. I mean, unfortunately, again, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, uninformed about these things, and and, and the church today, for, for for the most part, is uninformed about about spiritual gifts. And so we see that, again, that a spiritual gift is not something that, that, that I can impart to you. It's not something, you know, that, that a leader can impart to you. It's not something that, you know, somebody in, in a position of religious authority can impart to you. But we see that the Holy Spirit departs, uh, imparts these gifts to you as He wills. As He wills. And so, what is a spiritual gift? You know, well, we have a whole list of them. You know, before we get into what a spiritual gift is, I wanna I want to cover what a spiritual gift is not. And so... A spiritual gift is not a place of service, a physical place of service. You know, the gift is the ability, not where the ability is used. You know, so for example, this setting, you know, this isn't a spiritual gift, me being up here. I mean, the the teaching is is a spiritual gift, but the location, the place, the physical place is not the spiritual gift. Right. We see that that God has gifted me as a pastor, but it's not because we have this building or because I'm up here, you know, that, that this is my spiritual gift. No. I was at a men's conference yesterday You know I had the privilege To, to share to, to a bunch of men uh, From a different ministry It wasn't even a Calvary Chapel ministry You know And the Lord opened the door over there and As we're talking about Just the different gifts And just different ministries Different callings uh, Just uh, being inspired to, to serve in the, in the ministry You know one thing One thing that the Lord uh, Really impressed my heart To just uh, To pour into these guys And to mention Is that The man makes a title The title doesn't make the man Right not because I'm a pastor all of a sudden, you know, I have the gifts of a pastor, I have this, that, I have. No, no no. You know, but it's, 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 it's the gifts that make, that make the person, the person doesn't make the gifts Right? And, and same with the position it's, it's the man that makes the title, not the title that makes a man I was talking to them about um, King Saul and, and, and his son, King Jonathan You know, and how one was in the position of leadership, but was not a leader at all, Saul And yet the other one was a natural born leader, Jonathan Right, he led the charge time and time again against the Philistines. And though he was, you know, second in command, though he was never really mentioned, you know, though he wasn't getting any of the glory, though you know he would go out in battle, and then uh, his father Saul would blow the trumpet in, in Israel and say, "Oh, hey everybody, I, I just, I just, I just initiated an attack." Even though it was, an, it was his son Jonathan, you know, we see that one was in a position of leadership, but the other one uh, was an actual leader. The one that was in a position of leadership was not a leader. And so it, it's the the, the man. The man makes a title, but the title does not make the man. I, and I love that. I love that, right? Because we get discouraged and say, well, I'm, well, I'm not out there teaching. Oh, well, I'll have a ministry. Oh, well, I'm not called to serve on Wednesdays. You know, they never, they never text me, you know, when, they, when they're shorthanded. They never, whatever. Right? It's not the man that makes the ministry. You know? It's not the ministry that makes the man, sorry. It's the man that makes the ministry. Women, of course, also. And so, we see that a spiritual gift is not a physical place of service. And we see that the a spiritual gift is not an office either. And by that I mean like a, a position, like, a, you know, like a, the office of a prophet or the, the office of, you know, of a deacon or something like that. We see that, that a spiritual gift is not, is not, it's not an office. You know, the gift is the ability and it can be exercised whether one holds an official you know, religious title in a local church or not. You know, God could give you the gift of a pastor, of a shepherd's heart. It's one of the, it's one of the 21 gifts. God could give you a shepherd's heart you know, and you not necessarily ever be a pastor, ordained, you know, ordained religious, you know, pastor, 5013 c, pastor. You know, give you, he give he could give you that religious, that, that I mean, that shepherd's heart. I remember a couple of years ago, I, I used to do ministry at the here at the wash, you know, and I would just you know drive over there and I would just take a skateboard or my bike or something, you know, and, and I would just go down the wash and just you know something I would take a little patch of snacks and stuff and just give them out and just evangelize and I, and and down down here actually in, 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 in L A. Sometimes, sometimes I'll go to the one right there up for the 605 and Firestone as well in Norwalk, and I just hit the wash and I just go evangelize, give out stuff, whatever I had. And I remember I would always run into this this one I, man. I, I can't remember his name, but he was a big old tall white dude just came out of prison, all tatted up, you know. And uh, he was always down there too, just ministering to the people there. I would see him everywhere, man. I come over here, he'd be there. I would go to 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 Norwalk, he'd be there. And and, and every time I would talk to him. He'd be like, hey, man, this is my church, man. He says, he says I'm, I'm a street pastor. You know, this is, this is my flock right here, man. He says, he says I'm a pastor of the, of, of the riverbed. I thought, hey, that's cool, man. That's cool because God had given him that shepherd's heart. And, and the sheep were out there, man. They were all lost. They were all strung out, you know, under the bridges. And I thought, man, that's amazing. You know, he'll probably never get, you know, an official, you know, little certificate that he could hang on the wall or on his fridge, you know. But, but the Lord had given him the call of a pastor. And he was he was exercising exercising that gift, you know, with the, in, in the spirit of influence that God had given him, you know. And I love that. I love that because again, a spiritual gift is not, you know, a, an official office. A spiritual gift is not a particular people group or or age group either. Meaning, you know, I, I hear sometimes we we say I've said I've said it before. You know, we say things like or we hear things like God has gifted me to minister to the youth. You know, God has gifted me to minister to the youth. And and, and, that's, uh, and actually no you know, We see that, that all age groups Need to be served by, by the pastors By the teachers, by, by the believers Now to say that, that that God has given you a heart To minister to the youth Or God, God has given you a heart to minister to the homeless Or God has given you a heart to go To minister to the, to the convalescent homes you know, That's different you know, but, but, but God doesn't give you a gift For a specific age group right? God gives you a gift for a whole people group you know, Now the heart is different Right? I mean we see guys like Ryan who the Lord has obviously given him a heart, you know, to minister to the youth and uses him mightily in that area. But I mean you, we could listen to him, you know, in our age, and I know, you know, back in the day when we used to have the 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 um the whosoever's on, on Sunday night, we go over there, you see people all, they were of all age of all ages, you know, listening to Ryan. I remember that there's there's one old lady, Linda, Linda and uh the one that, and the one that just got married? Another Asian another lady, they're, they're already older, and they would love listening to Ryan. They would get so fed listening to Ryan, right? And so here he is, you know, his heart is for the youth, but yet everyone everyone could, could receive from him. And so we see that, that, again, that the Holy Spirit, that the gift of the Holy Spirit is not... a particular people group or age group we hear it a lot like oh you gotta be a cholo to minister to the cholos or you gotta be you know this to minister to that type of people and we see it's not true right I mean here's Paul being the Pharisee of Pharisees you know the Hebrew of Hebrews you know the the, the, the strictest in the laws of all these guys and yet his own people rejected him he couldn't minister to the Jews they rejected him they tried to kill him right but instead he went to go minister to the Gentiles and so don't let that discourage you either God can use you with anybody and in and, and, and any situation and wherever you are Right? You're not restricted to a specific, you know, region, a specific people group, a specific age group. And I don't really use it with anybody. I mean, I'm super encouraged. I'm super surprised. You know, because we go down to down there in Mexico and I think, oh, man, the people out there, they're super traditional. They're not going to receive from me. We went down to Guatemala and I thought, oh, man, culture is way different. You know, no, there's no way they're going to receive from me. Look, I look all weird with my ears. and I'm all tattered up and we're going to places where you know, there's like... These old, you know, uh, old Mexican ladies or all, you know, Hispanic ladies are super traditional. And I think, you know, I think about my grandma and I think like, no, they're, they're going to treat me like that. And now I go over there and you're like, hey, people, hey, hugs, this, that, never seen from me. I think, oh man, praise God. Right? Because that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You know, the Holy Spirit will work through you uh, to, to reach anybody. So uh, don't let that hinder you From stepping out Don't let that hinder you From from ministering Don't let that hinder you From from doing the work for God Thinking I'm too old They're not going to receive from me They're too young Or I'm too young They're not going to receive from me They're too old Vice versa Whatever Don't let that hinder you Now We see that a spiritual gift You know Is different from a natural talent There's a difference You know Sometimes we confuse the two A spiritual gift is different From a natural talent A natural talent For example Is given by God Through your parents uh, a spiritual gift is given by God independent of your parents, independent of who they are, independent of what talents they have, they, they have, right? A natural gift is given at birth and a spiritual gift is given at the moment of conversion. We see that a natural gift, a natural talent, I mean, is, is to benefit mankind you know, in general, but a spiritual gift is given at the, uh, is, is to benefit the body or the church primarily and in particular, and so there's a difference. You know, so again, sometimes we mix up. We may think, oh, well, you know, uh, for example, Liz, yeah, she has a gift of, you know, tech and all that. Well, it's a God-given ability. It's a God-given uh, uh, a talent. You know, something that she could cultivate as, as, uh, as well as worship. You know, worship is not a gift, but it's a God-given talent that somebody could, could cultivate, you know, and, and, and continue to grow in. Now, it goes on to say there in verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members... But all the members of that one body being many are, are one body. So also is Christ. He says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Need some water. I'm just going to read through the, through the rest of the chapter. It says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say because I'm not an eye am I not uh, am I not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the whole body were in high then where would where would be the hearing if the whole body were hearing where would be the smelling but now God has set the members each one of them in the body just as he pleased and if they were all one member where would be the where would the body be and so it's easy to picture this, right? He's giving this comparison, he's saying, Look, just how just how in the body of Christ there's different gifts. He says, God he says God, God, God made it that way for a reason. And, so, and he compares the body of Christ and all these gifts to a, an actual physical body. Right? And, he, and he's saying, hey, look, man, you might see somebody with a you know who's operating as a year and think, Oh man, I wish I was an ear, but yet you're you know the the the, the thumb, the, the right thumb. You think, oh man, I wish I was a year. You know, and, and but yeah, if this thumb wanted to be the ear, then I'm I wouldn't have a thumb, I wouldn't even be able to, you know punch or grab or grip or, grip or all that. And, and and what he's saying is, the point he's trying to get across is, hey, sometimes in the body of Christ, we tend to envy or we tend to covet, you know, the way God is using a certain individual because of the, of the gifts that he's given them. But yet we don't realize that God is giving you a specific gift with a specific purpose because only you, only you can operate in that gift and only you can operate in that purpose, right? God doesn't need any more of these guys. He's already got one. He doesn't need any more of me. He's already got me. You know, he needs you to be who you are and operate in the gift that He's giving you, and at, at your capacity. Or else who's going to do it, right? And so He says, "Hey, don't don't be in a hand, don't cover the foot. Be in a foot, don't cover the head. Be in a head, don't cover the eye. Be you know." He says, "Man, if, if if the whole body was was just that one gift, man. Imagine if the whole body of Christ, if the only gift that we ever had was just, you know, speaking in tongues, or if the whole gift, we if the only gift we, we all ever had was just teaching. And ah, dude, I'd be so tired of hearing everybody. Everyone wants to give a sermon, right?" Or imagine if the whole body of Christ, the only gift we ever had was uh, was I don't know, helps or something. Right? And so so God in his sovereignty, he he distributed the gifts, you know, as as he pleased, as he willed. And so my encouragement is is to is to uh, find your gift. Right? Find your gift and find what God has gifted you with, spiritually gifted with you, and and walk with that. Walk with that. So he continues to say, then verse twenty, says, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. Um, verse 22, No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Right? And those members of the body which, which we think to be less honorable, on these we, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body Having given greater honor To that part which lacks it That there should be no schisms in the body But that the members Should have the same care for one another And if one member suffers We all suffer with it Right? Or if one member is honored All the members rejoice with it And, and how true is that? I mean he's given each and every one of us A specific gift A specific calling And we need each other in the body of Christ I'll be honest man You know like When, when. When Mark and Angela were sick And they were down like, dude we were, we're hurting Right God doesn't need him But we need him Right Because it's the body of Christ this is the church Right and, and, and I can't do what he does He can't do You know What, what, what Liz does It's like we need each other Right and, 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 and in the body of Christ In the church We need each other Right? The guy with the gift of helps needs the guy who, you know, who who has a gift of teaching. The guy who has a gift of teaching needs the guy who has a gift of exhortation. You know, vice versa. So all these gifts, we all operate around around each other as one body. We need each other. Right? Just because that guy has a gift that you know no one ever sees doesn't mean that he's insignificant. We need that guy too. Right? Remember when I was at West Covina and um, well, back to, back then even, even when we were in that point, there was a guy who would come uh earlier, like even earlier before me. Right. And I was I was the you know, I'm the guy who was just cleaning the restroom, just does the mopping, you know, just clean before everybody got there, you know, before worship was there, before anybody was there. But there was a guy who was there even before me who would just show up and just start cleaning, man. And uh, he would and he would leave, go home, and then come back uh, for for worship. You know, once the service started, so no, no one ever knew that he was ever there. Right? Why well, knew Kyle would see him. Right? But no, but no one else ever knew that he was ever there. You know, and and. To the naked eye If you're just looking at his life You know uh, Based on just Church service You think Oh this guy just comes to church And he just sits and listens And he goes home He doesn't do anything But let him do do, 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 You know Did we know that Hey, He'd be there before anybody Man just Just plying away Goes home Not trying to get any credit Just does what he needs to do You know Not concerned about Who's seeing him Who's not seeing him Who's recognizing him Who's not recognizing him Who's not making He wasn't trying to be You know Servant of the (laughs) month You know He just went and Just operated in the gift That God had given him And so don't think that that because you know you you may seem insignificant in the body of Christ, you know that you are, you're not. You know, but we need each other. and God is God even says right here in this chapter, you know that, that that he bestows greater honor to those to those hidden parts of the body. right? And so it goes on to say, then verse twenty seven, now you are the body of Christ, talking to the church, and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? He's asking asking this, you know, it's a a rhetorical question. He says, hey, are are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts? And yet, I will show you a more excellent way. And he continues with this amazing chapter, chapter 13, the chapter of love. Right, he goes on to to talk, to talk about the gift of love. You know, sometimes we read through this chapter and we think, oh, just you know the love chapter. It's Valentine's coming up. You hear a lot of sermons on First on, on Corinthians chapter thirteen about love, love, love. And really in the context, what what Paul is doing is that he's he writes this chapter, chapter thirteen, you know, the chapter of love, you know, to to to, to express and to and to define and to and, and to and to uh, again express the gift of love. He says, Look, we have all these gifts, but yeah, I'm gonna show you a more excellent way. And then he goes on to talk about love. You know, the love behind the gifts, the love love behind the operation of gifts, you know, love itself, you know, the the gift of love. And so, again, a spiritual gift is is a God-given ability to serve the body of Christ wherever and however, you know, He may direct. And no, no believers without at least one spiritual gift. You know, and no believer has all the gifts either. That'd be awesome. I wish I had all the gifts. but, But no believer has all the gifts and no believer, you know, doesn't have any gifts. Each believer has at least one gift. And unbeliever has all the gifts Right And so The Bible encourages us To use our gifts You know And so the question comes up I mean Alright man You're telling me to use my gifts You just went through the whole chapter I get that But I don't even know my gifts Right So I can't encourage you To use your gifts If you don't even know What your gifts are Right And so my encouragement to, to all of us, you know, because I want to just continue to grow. I, I, and, and, and I know that the, the, the gifts that God has gifted me with, but there may be gifts that I don't know. So so I want to cultivate those as well. And so, my encouragement to all of us, you know, this morning is sharpen your natural God given abilities, like worship or tech or, you know, or whatever that God given ability, natural talent is. Sharpen that. Sharpen that. But also cultivate and discover God given spiritual gifts, because both are important. You know, and, and both you know, work work side by side. So, sharpen your natural God-given abilities, but also cultivate and discover your God-given spiritual gifts. And how do you may ask? Well, how do I do that? Well, one, you know, I think the most important thing is inform yourself. You know, like, like Paul says, hey, don't be ignorant about this. Don't be ignorant concerning this. So, step one would be to inform yourself. You know, of, of all the gifts that there are. You know, make an inventory. Get a, a Bible encyclopedia. Go through the whole Bible. Look at look at all the all the verses where the gifts are mentioned. You know, study those gifts. Become familiar with those gifts. There's awesome tools online that you know give you a list of of, of, of the spiritual gifts. You know, according to to uh, to, to Strong's concordance. You know, so inform yourself of all the gifts that there are. Make an inventory. And also, most importantly, look for opportunities to sharpen or discover your gifts by serving at church, by serving in outreach, by serving at an event. You know, by by stepping out of faith. Step out of your comfort zone, ouch! You yeah. step out of your comfort zone, you because know, maybe God is trying to show you that He has gifted you in an area that that you don't feel comfortable in, right? And maybe it's that area that, that the Lord is going to be glorified the most in you in the area where you're not comfortable in. For me, it was uh, first started with, with with Mexico, right? The first time I ever even went in Mexico was with Pastor Brian from Norwalk, and he said, "Hey, bro, just come with me because I need someone to translate for me at the border," and I, that's all I was going for. Like, look, bro, we're going go to an orphanage, this and that. And for me, that I didn't care because. At the time, I was like, man, I can't speak Spanish that well. You know, I, I don't feel comfortable speaking it. I'm just stutter like an idiot. I can't say anything. But yeah, he, he got me to go back saying, hey, just help me. Just go see you. Help me at the border. You know, in case I get lost. And I'm like, all right, bro, I'll go with you. And while we were there, man, he started just, man, drilling me. Hey, bro, you see that, you see that guy over there? Go share Jesus with them. Hey, bro, here, hey, wait, uh, call me and translate for me. I'm going I'm to I'm share the gospel with this lady. Like, oh, Brian. And we go over there. We went to an orphanage. He's like, hey, bro, hey, can you get all these kids together? Tell them this. And tell them I said this. And tell them I said that. And uh, he'd be like, hey, bro, can you pray for them? And this guy just made me step out of my comfort zone, hardcore. I was so uncomfortable. I remember when we were driving back, we were stuck at the border for like five hours. And every single person who would come to the window selling you something, he'd say, hey, bro, share Jesus with them. am like, oh, man. Or here, bro, uh, translate for me. Say this. And I was just so uncomfortable and to a point where finally I got kind of upset. And uh, a kid was coming in and, he, and Brian gave me the salvation break he saying, hey, bro, share Jesus with them. I'm like, I'm like I can't, bro. He's like, yeah, you can, you can. I'm here. And I'm like, bro, I can. I kind of, you know, got in the flesh. I'm like, bro, I'm telling you, I can, man. I can. I can't do it. He's like, all right, bro. I'm not going to ask you anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He said that. He said that. He said, I'm sorry. And so it was an awkward car ride. <laughs> got back home. <laughs> we got back home. And then he, yeah, he actually never asked me to, ask, to, to share Jesus again with anybody. You know, but in, uh, a few hours went by, a few weekends went by. We'd go out to the park and evangelize. We went to the park and, uh, to the apartments next door, to the one ways and, and evangelize. And, and, uh, and I noticed that he never, he didn't ask me anymore, man. And so when he stopped asking me, I realized that, that I actually enjoyed doing that. And so I just started just doing it on my own. You know, and it was through that that I discovered, you know, my, my love one for evangelism and, and my love for uh, evangelizing, evangelizing the Hispanic community as well. Now since then You know he has, You guys know, Been to Colombia Four months Been to Mexico Been to Guatemala Now Been to, you know different Parts of the world Just sharing Jesus But if, if it wasn't for me Stepping out Being put in a place Outside of my comfort zone And just being super uncomfortable I would, probably would have Never discovered those gifts You know And, and I, thought, I thank God for, 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 for Pastor Brian Because he wasn't scared To make me uncomfortable Right. So sometimes it's good to be uncomfortable in areas of ministry, because if you never step out and try new things in ministry, you want to stick to your to your comfortable circle, your comfortable bubble. You don't want anything to distort that. Any little thing that kind of throws off your agenda, boom, you get in the flesh, then you're never going to grow your gifts and you're never going to discover new gifts. So I encourage you step out of your comfort zone. Maybe God is trying to show you that he has gifted you in an area that you don't feel comfortable with. Why? So that he gets all the glory. Again, evangelism, the whole speaking Spanish, all that stuff. We're gonna start a Spanish service now next next Sunday. I'm I'll be honest, I'm terrified. I, was asked, I mean, I'm looking forward to it because it's ministry and I'm excited about it and, and I want to do it, but at the same time, there's this element of fear. Why? Because it's outside of my comfort zone. But yeah, I know that, 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 that God is calling me to step out in faith, crash or burn. At least you know we stepped out in faith again, like I said in the in the beginning of the study. I would rather step out in faith, you know, and in and, and, and obedience to God crash and burn and fail miserably than to never step out at all and always wonder man i wonder if god would have done something that's alright i have no problem failing i have no problem crashing and burning that's how we grow in ministry right we may think we may think oh man i'm serving in ministry you know it didn't go good you know i i wrecked i wrecked i blew i blew it up you know i it it didn't go well that's okay it's okay to fail in ministry it's okay to step out it's okay you know for things not to go perfectly we're human, and, and that's how that's one of the, that's one of the ways that the Lord teaches us is by our failures, right? And so, one of the great examples of the Bible, uh, and and in this topic of spiritual gifts and growing your and your gifts, is a man by the name of Philip. I love his story. You know, you guys know that we just finished uh, teaching the book of Acts here on Sunday mornings, and I love his story because we first met Philip. We first meet Philip in Acts chapter six as 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 a, as the disciples choose. Uh, seven to just serve tables, to be waiters, you know, to take care of the food distribution program. They're working at the pantry. So, and, and and there in Acts chapter six, Philip was one of those seven who were chosen to just work the pantry. That's how he was doing. He was just uh, labor, right? That's how he was doing. But then, in Act eight, we see him ministering to the Samaritans, and then and then after that, we see him ministering to to the Ethiopian eunuch there in the desert, and then. Finally, in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 21, as Paul is kind of just, you know, doing his little uh, rendezvous, he's going through through all these different cities and all these different regions, we're told there in Acts chapter 21 that Paul stays at, at the house of Philip the evangelist. And so some years later, and now Philip is known as Philip the Evangelist. He started off as just a hey man, working in the pantry, stepped out of faith, you know, began to minister to Samaritan. Then God used him with the Ethiopian eunuch. Chapter 21, here's Paul, you know, the guy who, who persecuted the church in the first place. Now he's staying at Philip's house and, and now he has the title of Philip the Evangelist. Right? That's awesome. You know, I mean, man, that's awesome that the Lord would give us, you know, the personal growth of, of, of one of the believers, you know, that, so that we could look at his life and see, you know, hey man, look, this guy is just is growing in his gifts, growing in his ability, growing in, in his capacities. You know, and I love that, right? Because he didn't start off as Philip the Evangelist. They didn't say Acts chapter 6 and the 12 chose among them Stephen. Oh, yeah, and Philip the Evangelist. No, he just call Philip the waiter. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he was faithful in the little things. And as he was stepping out, he was serving in ministry, and he discovered his gift. And now he's still the evangelist. Now, forever we're going to know him as the evangelist, All right? The Bible also tells us that he had a, a daughters who prophesied; who were prophetesses. I love that. I love that about that. And so, again, just an ending. I encourage you guys. You know, I encourage myself too because I, I want to continue to be uncomfortable in ministry. I want to continue to step out, you know, and and face. Right, I mean Yeah, I love to travel You guys know that we, we ride mission trips all the time But a lot of those times You know, I have, we're very uncomfortable I mean, I'm very uncomfortable I'm very out of my element And it's good It's good because that's when God can work the most, right? Because like Paul says Hey, when I'm weak That's when you're strong in me Right? When I'm weak That's when your spirit That's when your strength is, 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 is Your strength is made evident In my weakness So it's good to be in those areas Of ministry where we Consider ourselves weak Because then that gives God opportunity to, to, to Show himself strong on our behalf Right? Amen? Amen. We'll start right there. Father God, thank you so much for your word, Lord, that just. Uh